Good morning. This is Jim Colburn of Commodity Research Group. I'm here with Andy LeBeau, also of Commodity Research Group, and we're here to talk about energy markets. To learn more about us, you can check out our website, commodityresearchgroup.com, where we post our podcasts and blog. We would like to thank our friends at EKT Interactive Oil and Gas Training for hosting this podcast. Check out their newsletters, podcasts, and learning modules at ektinteractive.com. This podcast should be construed as market commentary, merely observing economic, political, and market conditions, and is not intended to refer to or endorse any particular trading system, strategy, or recommendation. We are not responsible for trading decisions taken by anyone. Information is not guaranteed to be accurate. This is not an offer to buy or sell any derivative. Today's April 12th. And Andy, I just want to start out and, and mention your monthly uh, that you write for the CRG uh, website and for others. You mentioned that a few things took place over the monthly in the previous month, and there was an attack on Saudi infrastructure. There were two OPEC meetings. Uh, there was new extended lockdowns in Europe, a Suez Canal issue, Iranian sales to China, U.S. vaccine rollout, just to mention a few, and that's over a month. So I, uh, I want to express my sympathy for you as an oil analyst trying to get through these this past year. Well, thank you, Jim. Uh, you know, yeah, last, mo last month was uh, definitely a, a headline news month. And, you know, as, as you and I have said often on these podcasts, th there's always something going on in, in oil. The, yeah. You know, just la last month seemed there was something going on every day in, uh, you know, petroleum and uh, crude trading. This month, not so much. This month, it, it, the first uh, you know, the first few days have been have been pretty quiet, and amazingly, you know, the market's just trading in a re, in a really narrow range. Right. I think as evidenced by, um, you know, yeah, as as we had talked, as evidence is what happened to the uh, to the option vol last yeah. week. And, uh, you know, you, you might want, you might want to mention that, you know, we might want to talk about that right off the bat. Cause it's really unbelievable. Right. It was, it was like, kind of like a wildy e. coyote off the cliff vol move because on Friday volatility front month vol got crushed by about six points, which is a big move. I mean, it's the front month. So there was a little time decay in that, but it was like the option market realized that, Oh, guess what? We're in a trading range and, and they started marking things down. It wasn't on heavy volume, uh, but they did mark things down. And I think it's, I think it's kind of like a white knuckle narrow range. Not a, no, I don't think anybody's relaxed in this market as if they know where this thing is headed or when people sell uh, vol, sometimes they feel like they know where it's not headed. So, so there's a lot going out there. Why don't, why don't we uh, begin with the OPEC meeting itself? Because a lot came out of that. And um, OPEC is... Over the over the past years, increasingly involved on with with these month, they're not only month to month uh, meetings, but they're major policy changes come out of these monthly uh, meetings now. The uh, yeah, it's amazing how these uh, OPEC meetings have have changed just just since the pandemic. 
but I, th I think they've done a really good job at uh, trying to manage the market. And, um, you know, one thing that, that they must be doing is getting a better handle on, on some of the data. You know, I, I think there's, in my opinion, it seems that they're using a lot of these, uh, you know, the mobility data and a lot of the big data to try to forecast where, uh, where demand is. And in fact, prior to the last month's meeting, they put out, uh, they put out a monthly demand numbers, you know, uh, right. I've not, yeah, I don't think I've, they did, they've done that now for, for a couple of meetings. Right. Uh, and you know, they're, they're just trying to forecast these, uh, these monthly demands, demand numbers, and then, you know, make some attempt at, uh, at matching the supply to the, to those demand numbers. Now, the last meeting was, was interesting in that the the market as uh, a result of of what the saudis were were saying was expecting that the um that they would be they'd be unchanged there'd be no no production changes because the saudis were worried about demand faltering and you know most of the most of the rhetoric before before the meeting led the market to believe that uh no change and then you know, they came out and uh, increased production by two million barrels a day um, over the over the quarter. Well, actually, from from May to July, which was surprising. Almost as surprising was the fact that the market the next day went up, which was you know kind of hard to fathom. Mm -hmm. The the following day was um, Good Friday. We were closed, and then on Monday it did get hammered. So it, it, it's, you know, it's, it's hard to see where they're, where they're heading, you know, I think they, they would try, Jim, you know, in, in days past and meetings past, you know, they, they would try to make a longer term, you know, make some longer term changes and longer term assessments. And now we're, now we're into a month, you know, a month to month assessment. And uh, it's really hard to see you know, are these policy changes, you know, you know, is this, is this the Saudis yielding to pressure from uh, some of the, some of the OPEC members and saying, okay, you know what, we think demand's going to be good enough over the next couple of months where we can increase production and, and, you know, we, we will go for it. Yeah. It, you know, it seems like step one is to get the price up. Right. Step two is to get the volume out. It looks like they want to capture any new, any any uh, recovery in demand that's out there, and not uh, and let not let non OPEC, you know, get get any of that. But um, what do you, what do you think about their demand projections? Like that, I mean, you said uh, two point was it two point something million? That was on the, the that that's the supply that they're letting so, out from, right from uh, yes. from May to July. I thought their demand uh, numbers, to me, they're a little high, but I, I'm, a, I'm a little more conservative than, than they are on the, the growth. They, they think that from April to July, demand is going to go up over uh, almost 3 million barrels a day. So, you know, looking at those, looking at those monthlies, you know, the monthly demand, they, they said, all right, well, if we think that, then there might be room for another two million barrels a day 
of uh, supply. I, I'm closer. They're up three. You know, I'm closer to like up two and a half. Okay. Um, you know, you, 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 I'm, I'm constantly kind of marking it down on, uh, you know, on extensions of the lockdowns and then increasing it on GDP views and vaccine distributions. So it, it is, you know, it is, it's hard to get a, a handle on it. Now, the other thing, Chip, that's really important is the Saudis also reserve the right to change their, what they're going to do next month. Right. So, you know, uh, they, they, they may not, maybe they'll say next month, and, and this, of course, will be, as you said, number one, get the price up. So this will be, you know, this will be price dependent. The market is on, on its heels. Maybe, maybe they'll say, hey, you know what, we're, we're going to, we're not going to increase quite as fast, right, the, on their unilateral increase. So in a way, while these meetings are new, the, the Saudis really have come back as a swing producer. You know, they, they have most definitely taken the role of, uh, of uh, the swing producer, uh, which, as, as you and I remember, was, a, uh, was one of their guiding principles within OPEC in the uh, 80s and 90s. Yeah, it looks like the, uh, I guess they're, if you go back a little further, the, uh, the Rockefeller strategy of giving competition uh, a sweating by lowering prices for a while. Uh, they tried that about a year from now, a year ago. And um, I think that's no longer, and I don't think they like the results of that strategy. No, because they gave themselves a sweating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't think, yeah, that, that strategy was, I think, ill-advised and certainly ill-fated given, uh, given what happened. I think we're, we're coming up, right? Well, aren't we coming up on the yeah. anniversary of the right. minus, it's of, April, yeah. uh, minus 40? So right. a year ago, they were, they were scrambling to say to say the least but yes. they, they did they, the group did get its act together yeah terrific job yeah they've done a great job uh, of course they've been how they were helped by the world governments the stimulus you know all the stimulus that uh you know the the uh, u.s and, and other world governments get gave to the gave to the markets yeah i you know if you and you think of storage it was um it was like a golden month for storage or a couple of months for storage and now um all those contracts are being uh you know it's a it's a year maybe a lot of them were many of them were done a year out and and that year is up and um now nobody your storage facility might is definitely not worth as much no i mean a year ago we were you know we were going into very steep contango uh, for good reason, you couldn't see the end of it, right? Right? You just yeah. you just couldn't see the the faucet ending at that point. And the the additional uh, information we get these days of satellite pictures of uh, ships around the world it, it was like flotillas. Yeah, yeah. There there was no there was no end, right? No because end. we were filling up. Yeah, there were flotillas of uh, of crew tankers with nowhere to go. Um, because we, you know, at that point, floating storage was just going crazy. So we, we now have, um, you know, the U S growth world, world growth should be up sharply this year should add to oil demand. 
but it's not what we would call uh, synchronized world growth, like we were talking about a couple of years ago. Just give us an overview of um, how, how you're seeing overall growth, and maybe we can get into U.S. as well. Well, if you go from uh, product to product, you know, refined product to, to uh, refined product, you know, I, th I think that uh, diesel, uh, global diesel demand this year is probably going to be unchanged or, or grow some. Petrochemical demand, which did well last year, is still going to do very well this year. Diesel's going to grow over last year. I guess uh, uh, my comment was more towards 2019. Diesel's going to grow nicely this year, uh, as will gasoline relative to 2020. But relative to 2019, we're still going to be you know, a million to two million barrels a day, probably below 2019 when the when the um, year is year is over. Maybe maybe less than that. And we'll definitely be talking about U.S. gasoline demand coming up. And you know, there's still the big problem is is that we can't get away from is is jet fuel demand. That is a you know, it's 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 still problematic. Because we have international restrictions still, and you know the business travel is not where it was, and it probably won't be, you know, until you know maybe into 2022. Some some analysts are saying 2023. Travel, I think, domestic travel, U.S. travel is is certainly going to pick up this this summer and and into the fall. But again, those international routes. You know, we'll have, we'll have to see how when, you know when and how they get how they get lifted. Yeah, it's, a, um, it's a it's a problem. I think you know. Let's in the U.S. we're getting uh, the vaccines out there, and people want to become they want to fly someplace. And the question is, where do you go? You, and we we can't all go to uh, Gibraltar or Faroe Islands. Where you know mm -hmm. Europe is still you know still in lockdown so shut yeah europe's yeah. still shut and we're yeah. already it's april so when you know it's, are they going to be open for the summer season right so i guess so, they're going to try but but driving we can kind of i I, th I think that i think you guys I, I think there's going to be some major pent-up demand for gasoline and not not for diesel and yeah yeah I'm, no I'm sure I, I i i think that's i think that's definitely the case so the the eia you know, just increase their gasoline, their their view of gasoline. I've increased my view of gasoline by by a couple of hundred thousand barrels a day. I mean, it could be even more. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I think there's definitely pent up demand, and we'll, we'll see where you know where the animal spirits prevail on uh, on gasoline. Gasoline's in pretty good shape. We had a build last week, but. You know, overall, if you look at gasoline inventories, where where day supply is actually behind the five-year average, so that, that's that's pretty remarkable. So, yeah, I I, I think gasoline globally, however, right. uh, you know, there, there's another you know that that's another issue as as you said, Europe's in lockdown, even though they use more diesel than uh, than gasoline, and we look at the you know you look at some of the emerging markets, which are um, basically use gasoline, they're they're not getting the uh, vaccine distribution that some of the more developed countries are getting, and uh, you know that that's going to impact on uh, on gasoline demand. That, that no doubt, 
that. Right. I think maybe that was your point. Yeah, and less less tourism there as well. Yeah, yeah. less the right, yeah. less tourism. Yeah, and um, so you you're seeing uh, we're seeing imports from Europe. Right, right. That's and that's certainly not a surprise. Uh, last week's was a was a huge number. It was uh, I think 1.3 million barrels a day of of uh, imports of on gasoline. And uh, looking at where the ARB is now and some of the talk on uh, barrels moving, you know, it looks like the, those imports are going to stay pretty strong here for the, ne for the next couple of weeks. Diesel is, finally is beginning to, to ease off some on the, uh, on the imports into, into, uh, into the U.S. Some, but it's still, it's still pretty, pretty strong. So all that surplus... In Europe, is there, because of the lockdowns, you know, it's, it's Find its goes way. to where the price is higher. Yeah. So, so does that, how does that affect the, let's, well, let's talk about refineries coming out of the freeze and how does that affect the crack values, RBOB and diesel cracks? The, um, okay, so the refineries, we had talked about uh, it's going to take them some time to get out of the, the to repair themselves, not repair, to be repaired by right. workers. I'm yes. sorry, not repair themselves, but uh, it'll it'll take time to be repaired. It's AI. Uh, right. The, yeah. the AI, right. The um, crude production will come up faster than it did. And so as, as a result, crude stocks built, but uh, product stocks didn't quite. And the cracks really, you know, they blew out. Meanwhile, they're staying up there. The, yeah. even, though, even though the, uh, you know, crude, crude production ha has come, come back, the cracks still remain strong. And refineries have, are now running at a higher rate than they were prior to the prior to the uh, prior to the freeze off. So I think, you know, what I think is going to happen is that margins are going to weaken some here. I think the you know, diesel cracks just just rallied big the last the last couple of days and gasoline cracks have stayed pretty strong. This is the WTI New York crack, but I mean, you could just take the Brent crack and mm -hmm. they, they're, they're strong too. And margins are, are Decent, you know, they're not horrible. Right. So runs are going to increase. Uh, certainly, runs are going to increase, and I think the I, I think we'll see these cracks come off some. I think we'll see these cracks come off some. I don't think they're going to collapse though, because as you mentioned, Jim, the gasoline demand, you know, sh should be pretty pretty robust here over yeah. the next you know over the next couple of months, and and as we you know as we move along into the summer. Yeah, that's um, that's kind of the, of all the wild cards, that's, uh, you know, it gets back to how quickly these uh, uh, COVID infection numbers improve and how, how more, how comfortable people feel and going out. But it just, it just seems like there's a lot of um, pent up demand to, to drive, to go places. It also seems as though politically, I'm not sure any of these governors want to lock their states down again. Right. Yes. So, so when you see 
like in New York, we've we've had a flattening out and then a little rise in in infections and and you know it's it seems like it's more of a an indicator of economic activity picking up. So so perhaps you know when when you have uh, the younger folks, their parents and grandparents are vaccinated, they feel more comfortable, you know, going going out to restaurants and bars and such. I don't know, and and they and they're getting infected, but maybe not. You know, it's not as dangerous, obviously, as as their parents and grandparents. So, so, right. so it's not necessarily a, you know, a, a oh no, we're going into lockdown type of number. It's more like oh, the economy's picking up. So, right, you know, right. And I guess if we get to the point again where there are no beds, you know, the, the governors, yeah. no hospital beds, the governors will have a tough, you know, tough decision to make. But right, and that's and I'm talking New York and some of the other states like Florida, a little little uptick in infections but they're you know they're obviously they're not going to lock down they they're, they're open for business no they're not locking down texas yeah. isn't locking down i don't yeah. think michigan's going to lock down yeah michigan is like a that's not their infections i think are up to record levels i have to have to look but yeah but i don't, I don't get the sense that the, the governor is is ready to lock it wants to right. lock down especially a northern Too state much heat. yeah yeah going into the nice weather it, it's uh and and I think people all people know people understand what this is about, and they can do their own risk reward, you know. Right. So, yeah. So uh, I'm looking for it, it, it for me. I guess uh, I have this bias when I my first commodity job was at the USDA and the World Agricultural Outlook Board, and we came up with uh, supply demand numbers in a committee. So if somebody was very bullish on say corn demand, it, it took a couple of months to get up to that number because you're you're dealing with a you had to get a consensus so i'm wondering if we're going to see the same thing where the you know the the big three uh project higher demand but they just can't get up to the real number right away you know like like demand will keep getting better they'll keep revising demand upward as as time goes on i i think that's what's going to happen we'll see yeah, well, we'll see. You know, the U.S. numbers certainly are, are all heading in the, the, well, gasoline's heading in the right direction. Diesel's been a, a little bit rocky. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure why. But one, one leading indicator, New York turnstiles are just, they're, they've improved, but they haven't broken out. They've been up at this level before. So that's, that's the people going through the subways. Haven't seen that uh, come back strongly yet. So we'll see. That'll be that'll be kind of by the time that happens, it's uh, the the move is probably already taking place. Yeah, that's yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's so, right. Um, so, cracks. You think we're going to get enough product from overseas, and maybe maybe see it. And 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 also, we're at I think runs last week. We're at fifteen million. What's a typical right. typical number for around this time period? There are more, uh, the typical number would be somewhere in the closer to 16 and a half, 17 million, 16 and a half, let's say, because we'd be coming out of turnarounds now. Okay. So, so we're, we're still, we're yeah. still below, Got it. you know, where we, uh, you know, where we usually are, but we'll, we'll, yeah, you know, I think runs are, are, are certainly heading, you know, there's, they're certainly heading higher. I also expect that the crude stocks are going to, you know, we'll see some draws here as, um, you know, as runs increase, I'm not sure. I think net net uh, imports are going to decrease some, and uh, I think we're going to see some some healthy crude draws. 
coming up over the next uh, you know couple of months, which may uh, maybe that'll tighten the curve. We'll, we'll see. The curve has really has really weakened, probably owing to the, the expectation of, of added uh, barrels, like the the um, month one to month. The, the, well, actually, the June June has come off from seven dollars backward dated to like three and a half dollars mm. backward dated. So it's like it's it's halved. Yeah, I, I predicted that was going to happen, but um, I think that was about eight months ago I said that. Yeah, all right. You know what? <laughs> I know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, if, I, if I'm looking in for, I look for uh, little clues of what's going on in the market from uh, options world. I mentioned the uh, vial collapse in the front month. It's it's still, we mentioned this in previous podcasts, but the um, the, the most open interest in, on a strike continues to be the DC 100 call for 2022. And that's about 60,000. And the, the second biggest uh, call is the D70 call at around 31,000. So it's almost double. And um, it's just the puts, not, you know, uh, June 50 puts got 25. The D50 put has got 15,900. I thought you would have seen that explode in open interest at, with these higher prices, but um, just not seeing it. So I, I don't know if that's an indication. There's got to be some hedging going on. Yeah. But maybe, you know, I thought there would be an extraordinary amount. And um, so let's talk about U.S. production. How do you see that unfolding as the year goes out? Well, the I, I'm a little, the EIA th- has production rising to, it, I think, in the fourth quarter. Uh, right, right. The last weekly was 10.9. I think in the, f- the fourth quarter, they're seeing 11.4 million barrels a day. So the, they've got it going up from here to about a half million barrels a day, which I, I think might be a little bit low, actually, Jim. I, I think there was a fair amount of hedging on the, on that rally okay. uh, that we saw, you know, basis uh, Brent going to 70 and WTI in the in the high 60s. The, the back of the curve didn't rally as quite as much, but you had some pretty good numbers back there yeah. to to hedge. So I, I think there was, I, I think there was some pretty good hedge activity. The you know the rig count ha- has gone up. There's usually a, a lag on, on rig count. Uh, ducks are being uh, the duck inventory is going going down. So and uh, the EIA did mention in, in this report uh, talking about debt issuance by uh, U.S. independents being. Uh, do you remember what the number was ex- exactly? Uh, for, for March 2021, is 4.4 billion, which was the they said the highest uh, since August 2020, and higher than like the five-year median. So they're, they're making a deal, big deal about it. That some it's the uh, the U.S. oil companies. Uh, producers have been active raising money. Yeah. So, uh, you know, they're either, they, they've got to, they've got to spend it somewhere. So, you know, a lot of these, as, as we've mentioned in many podcasts, the sector they're called is exploration and production. So, you yeah. know, I, I, I think that uh, the number is going to be higher than what the, the EIA has for uh, both this year and, and next year, maybe not significantly higher, but I, th- I think it's going to be higher for uh, going forward into the into the fourth quarter. You know, I I, w- I would think it would be closer, eleven five, eleven six. Just and just then, a 
uh, quick technical question, Andy. In the in the EIA weekly numbers, that uh, looked like the production was down three hundred thousand barrels for the lowest, yeah, lowest well, what, right. What, Some of that was because the the you know they'll they'll use the short term energy outlook, and uh, if the short term energy outlook has different numbers, they'll they'll uh, revise it closer to the short term energy outlook. So I think the uh, I think it was two hundred thousand from one week to the, I think it was eleven one to ten nine. And yeah, I think half of that was from the SD from the short term energy outlook. Okay, not sure, but I'm I'm pretty sure that it was half. So that that's why that that's more of an accounting than reality. So anything you want to mention before I want to sum it up and just ask you about prices going forward but uh, anything you want to mention yeah let's talk about the, the big you know there's, there's two things that I that I want to mention one is um, the first is Iran which right. uh, and the second is related because it's China right. and right. Uh, so uh interestingly some of the numbers that are coming in from china on their uh april imports were were down because you know they've got turnarounds coming and their uh, crude imports for for uh april you know predicted crude imports were were down actually quite a bit uh may 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 or may not pick up uh, but you've got you've got some big turnarounds in uh, in China, and also their inventories are high. And uh, with prices where they are, you know, when prices were when Brent when Brent was seventy, they were not a buyer. Right. Uh, and that was probably one of the bearish factors in the market, is that that China was you know had stepped back. Right. And that's something we had mentioned over these podcasts. So one thing to watch is that China's inventories are high. And you know they they don't have to buy, and they didn't. No, they're very uh, opportunistic, aren't they? Very opportunistic. Yeah. Now they have bought more from Iran. The official numbers have their purchases from Iran at zero, but the, <laughs> the um, you know if you look at what they bought from the UAE and uh, from Oman, that that's almost the proxy for uh, for Iran. So the, those those numbers have have picked up. Some some analysts have it at like 1.2 million barrels a day. I don't think so, but from no, from Iran, from Iran, yeah, right. Because it was up uh, it was up to 800,000 what in March? Yeah, or before? Eight, yeah, from 300,000 in November. So they've really right. kicked it up. Right. It looks like in April it'll be down, and and May it'll and. May it'll be down, but certainly you know that's a, that's an issue going forward for the for the U.S. And you know I'm, I'm sure that through back channel, I like I don't know if I should be sure or not, but this, that's got to be a back channel State Department issue. Uh, that the, how much China is buying from Iran, given that they're you know that they're in their sanctions. Well, that's that's that'll be one of those price moves when uh, when and if sanctions get lifted, the price of oil goes up, right? Right, because it's already <laughs> right, right. It's already, already selling as much oil as they can. Right, they're already selling. Well, they have another. If sanctions get, ever get lifted, there's another million barrels a day uh, wow. that, that Iran could could export on top of what they're surreptitiously exporting right. to uh, to China. But in any event, the and getting back to Iran, certainly that that's going to be a big second half twenty one issue for uh, 
you know, for, for the Biden administration and, and whether or not we rejoin the JCPOA. They just had a meeting last week, uh, the, the nuclear deal I'm, I'm referring to. They just had a, a meeting last week. They've established working groups and uh, there's, a, there's a long slog. Uh, there's a lot to negotiate and it's a long slog. Uh, and there are a lot of, um, there's a lot of issues. Oh yeah. Kind of, I, I go back and forth, and then, you know, yesterday there was a, in their uh, at Natanz, which is where they enrich their their uranium. There was there was a um, there was a blackout, uh, which most everyone is is pointing to the Israelis. Hmm. So there was a blackout. I don't know how that's gonna how the you know that's gonna affect everything, but nevertheless, you know, we'll be wa- we'll be watching. For the for, for the second half of the year after the uh, after the elections, if I had to bet, I, I think we may there, there may be some progress made. So that's another wild card to throw in the mix, right? So, um, yeah, this, Jim, this, I have one one question for you. Oh yeah. Okay, so we have these OPEC meetings, and mm-hmm. they're they're monthly. You know, they used to be every six months where they'd make production changes. Do you think we're going to start like every month? Fall is going to pop going into these meetings, and you know, like like it usually does. Or well, it's, it's, it hasn't been usual for a while now, because um, you know, in in the old days when we started sitting next to each other on a desk, the oil comp the, the oil ministers were tight lipped going into the meeting, and so you didn't know what was going to happen. And I, I'd say there was less trust of them coming out with a good result. And so you'd get this huge increase, you get an increase in vol going in, and then maybe the day of the meeting, you'd see a decline, and then it would decline after the meeting. But as time went on, especially now, there's so many, so much commentary before the meetings, even by oil ministers, that you're, sometimes the volatility is taking place ahead of the meeting. For the, for the, Ministerial, the last ministerial meeting, uh, it seemed like people waited till after the OPEC meeting to put positions on. So there's light, light volume ahead of the meeting and more volume after the meeting. So, so there is not, there is no one way to look at these things anymore, except for you know, like obviously last year when the meeting was a disaster, prices went down, vol blew up. But I, I don't see any, any major recurring theme. Each each meeting seems to be its own case, right? Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. And and this was you know this after the this recent meeting and the market was moving sideways. It, it, I guess it took a couple of days for people to crush vol. Right. You know, I yeah. guess you had to see. I don't know. You still there's still some. Uh, you still have a lot of people who are bullish this thing, but um, you know. It's it it seems to me more like OPEC's looking for a balance at a particular price area than um, you know then we're going to see seventy or eighty dollars down the road. I don't know. May, may, I mean, as quickly as they're coming out with you know new barrels, they they um, they seem to be managing this demand thing pretty well. As you as you yeah earlier, yeah, I so. think they're I think they're doing a great job. So, so the, I guess the question is, will they manage it on the upside as well as they manage it on the 
Like, like if prices go up to 70, are they going to come out with more barrels or are they just going to let it run? Yeah, that's, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll have to, we'll have to see. Right. Yeah. Right? I mean, the, the, there, there's a lot of, uh, you know, when you're getting up to 70 or 80, particularly, you know, yeah, if you're getting to the 70s and 80s, there, there are other issues. Right. Uh, you know, non-OPEC producers, I, us, the U.S. In, in particular, and then, you know, Iran is exporting. How much? How much does the Saudi want Iran to get? You know, any any excess revenue. So you know, there's a there's there's a lot that they have to grapple with. You yeah. know, it, it's interesting. You said, well, what price? I, I think you know. You look at some of these. Um, what price they need to balance their budgets? You know, a lot of the Persian Gulf producers are, are right into the 60s. So. You know, sixty dollars, sixty to sixty-five Brent would be fine. You know, right. it would be good. Right. It would be good. Yeah, you know, if they could I, get I, the I, volume I, up. Yeah, if they could get the if they can get the volume up. Yeah. But even if they can, I think they're, you know, that that would be a good price. I, I don't see them really wanting to let Brent get, you know, much below fifty. So, let's talk about what do you think about crude prices going forward. Well, the markets are trading at a narrow range for a good reason. I think a lot of us are kind of stymied as to where you know what where we think the uh, where we think the market is going. Not that we you know not that any of us has you know we're usually clueless. But I think you know my my own view is that there are going to be as as we head into May and June there there are there are going to be there is going to be more supply. Will demand be strong enough to to take that out? I sort of think so. I have a you know I have less of a I have less of a stock draw in the second quarter than I did naturally because uh, you know there's there's, there's going to be more supply on the market assuming there's no change in monthly policy. So, um, you know, I, I think that takes the ceiling out a, a little bit on, uh, on prices, but, uh, I think from, I think from here, slightly bullish, slightly bullish, but also slightly bearish, Jim. So yeah. I'm just yeah. like, you like know. the market. Yeah. It's um, sort of, so, a, but it's sort of a, it, it, you know, it, it, it's sort of a, it's a hard call here. So if I, if I were to. If I say to you, fifty dollar put, let's say a June fifty dollar put expires in May, you say it's going to go. You think it's going to expire out of the money or in the money? That's going to expire. I, I would say out of the money. Uh, and, I'd be a and seller. I'm talking WTI. I, I, would sell, I would sell that. And then for WTI, what about a June seventy call? June seventy call. We're at sixty now. I, I would say also out of the money. All right. So, but I, uh, but I think that may be more alive than the, than the 50 put. There you go. Uh, only because, you know, I, I think TI is going to, I think we're going to see those stock draws and that's, and I, so I think, you know, we'll, we'll see the um, structure tighten up some. And, you know, if, if we do get any demand surprises on the upside, as you've been talking, you know, as you said, Jim, on gasoline, mm-hmm. that, that, May have a shot. May have a shot, and and so I guess related to that is, uh, without thinking about a peak 
in price, what, what part of the year do you think the, the price will peak out at in, in June, May, June? That's, that's a really tough question Yeah, because you, you just have no clue as to what, yeah, not no clue. I mean, OPEC's given us some clue as to what they, you know, they've also put out OPEC, OPEC um, production month by month going forward. And if, if they're, if they stay by what their numbers are, you know, I think the second half could, could draw some. And, um, you know, I, I, I think there's a, a chance for another, another peak in the, in the second half. So uh, my final question on oil prices, um, the, the, DS, the biggest option that I mentioned of open interest, the, the DS 2022 $100 call, do you think that has a shot? Oh, sure. Come on, Jim. <laughs> what have we been saying since we started these, these podcasts? I know. I know. Right? Yeah. Anything I, could happen. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. And, and I think if I was to say to you, no chance, right? I, yeah. I'm sure you would go out and buy it right now. Yeah, of course. <laughs> that's, that's, a, that's a, over the years, Andy, that's a winner. That's a winner. Yeah. Anytime anyone says no chance, no way, yeah, you know, you got to think about doing it. My favorite was always, I, I don't know where, I was it? I don't know where prices are going, but I know where they're not going. So I'm going to sell thousands of these calls, and then say, okay, let me get my grandmother on the phone because we want to buy a few for her for her account. But, you know, um, Jeff, if, if uh, in. Um... Let's see. So DS twenty twenty two is twenty months from now. Yeah. So let's say in January of twenty nineteen, I said to you, Jim, I'm thinking about buying some minus twenty puts for <laughs> April twenty twenty, right. or some flat puts, or some you know. Right, five dollar puts. What would you say to me? Well, you know, I my bias is I'm I'm okay with you buying it, but don't sell it. Right, right, right. That's true. Yeah, that's my bias. I wouldn't I wouldn't turn that down, but right. Yeah, I'd say, what are you out of your mind? Probably. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, um, of the three, gasoline, diesel, and crude, um, relatively speaking, what do you like? Say over the next quarter. Which, which uh, I would probably, since I think the cracks are going to soften, uh, you know, I, I probably, I like WTI. WTI. And uh, diesel, diesel stocks have rebuilt. They had a big draw. They've rebuilt. We're a little, we're in little surplus. We've got the um, planting season about starting. I mean, uh, the planting season is, is uh, about to get underway. It looks like a, a lot of acreage, even though it yeah. came in less than expectations it's still the second most ever yeah i wonder if it's going to turn out to be the most ever down the road i don't know i don't follow that market as much but those prices look pretty good yeah Yeah, i bet it i bet it's even stronger i bet it's even stronger yeah and of course manufacturing is just like sizzling so you know what follows sizzling manufacture of course is distribution of goods and uh, so, you know, I think diesel demand will be will be pretty good. We're making way too much diesel because, uh, you know, some of the, some of the jet is, is getting into the diesel pool. Uh, if jet fuel demand improves, then, you know, that that 
diesel production will, will come off. So, you know, may, maybe diesel, I would say second and, and gasoline third, but only because the cracks are, you know, are pretty, pretty heightened already. Right. And um, what was I going to say about uh, jet fuel demand you think is still going to be kind of awful for a while? Pick, well, picking domestic up, but... is, it's, it's definitely picking up. Yeah. U.S. jet fuel demand is definitely picking up. Again, as I said earlier, you yeah. know, we've got to lift those, uh, you know, the international right. restrictions have to have to be lifted. And then, you know, there's going to be, you know, we'll see where business travel goes. Right. Well, you know, maybe yeah. there'll be a, maybe all maybe everybody's going to want to go visit their clients, you know, to begin with. And there'll, there'll be a big surge. But, you know, what, what's the long term? You know, what, what's the what's the change there? You know, people going to want to do Zoom meetings after they, you know, less less face to face and more Zoom meetings. We'll, right. we'll see. Yeah, it's a, these uh, airlines have been stung so badly over the years by uh, hedging and you know, the mission creep of, of their hedging programs. I'm not sure they, it's probably a, something they could look at is as, as they start uh, uh, signing up um, trips down the road. I mean, they're going to see, they're going to see ticket sales pick up, which, which they already are. Um, I wonder if they're, if they're interested in hedging, you know, jet fuel as it goes, like, you know, not getting, not anticipatory, but just saying, you know what, we, we better buy the jet fuel now for trips that are being planned three to six months in the future. Cause if this stuff starts taking off, you know, we're going to, it's going to squeeze into our profits and we, and we're still not back to where we were. So um, I don't know, but I guess, like I said, they've been uh, some of these guys have will never hedge again <laughs> after their experiences. Oh my, oh my goodness. Right. Yeah. Particularly. Yeah. Yeah. So, Anyway, uh, anything else, Andy? I think we could wrap it up here. Yeah, know? let let let's wrap it up. Um, good, good. You can, if if you want more information about Commodity Research Group, uh, we're on the web at commodityresearchgroup.com. And if you want to get a hold of, of uh, us, uh, my email address is a l e b o w at commodityresearchgroup.com. Yeah, and I'm I'm more on uh, I have more of a LinkedIn presence, so I don't look at my email that much on the Commodity Research Group. I've got too many emails going as it is, but uh, you can find me and uh, look me up on LinkedIn. Yeah, me and, too. Uh, and if you have a question for Jim, you know, just send me and, and you want to email. Yeah, it will it will get to him. Definitely. Okay, thanks, Andy. I'll talk, I'll talk to you next month. All right, thanks, Jim. Okay. <laughs>